everyone. Welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy, and you probably are too. I'm Lindsay. I'm here with Tegan. We're here to talk nerdy to you. And it's actually uh, been a hot minute since we've uh, talked a little bit about the MCU. We were kind of like on an MCU rush for a while. Uh, I saw a meme really recently, or a GIF, or whatever people are calling those things nowadays, where they had um, like people, it, it was like a picture of a, of a person who was really sad, and it said, MCU fans in 2020, and it was like a sad face. And then it said MCU fans in 2021, and it was all like the like little pictures of all the different emblems yeah. and the different shows and movies and stuff that were coming out, and they were like super excited and you know like uh, I don't know, but it's kind of how I how I've been feeling this yeah. this year. Like we've got so much going on and so much happening that I'm like behind on MCU stuff, which is not a thing for me. Um, usually we're real on it, and even though we've had quite a few shows where we talked about. Um, you know the Loki television show and uh, WandaVision. We, it, I, I'm like not up to date on certain things. Like um, Black Widow just came out where it's free on Disney Plus, and I haven't Finally. seen it yet. Um, so I'm going to do that next. But um, we did just get to finish watching the What If uh, Disney Plus uh, series, and have we got feelings <laughs> and things to talk about? <laughs> Um, to be fair, I have not actually, usually before we do a show, I have a chance to like look on YouTube and do the, you know, watch the episodes where they talk about it. And I didn't want any spoilers. And to be fair, I didn't know what episode was what when we were watching them because they're so quick and so easy to get through. Mm -hmm. I was just flying through them. Yeah. So I have not actually managed to watch any like YouTube uh, Easter eggs or whatever episodes I usually watch from new rock stars and all the all the guys that I watch and listen to on YouTube so this is kind of like a right off the bat let's talk about it kind of show today um, uh, Tegan's been done with it for a little while before me um, I finished literally uh, a few hours before taping this <laughs> um, I haven't even really had a whole time to like digest what happened in this show so um, we definitely want to hear what you guys want it, want to say after um, anything that you noticed that we didn't notice, all that good stuff. Um, but honestly, I never pretend to be an expert. I never pretend to be anything but like a fair weather MCU fan. So that's what this show is about. But <laughs> first, uh, Tegan's got a gaming corner. Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, I had posted about this uh, even uh, the week prior. Um, and I'm going to be making another post about it as well. Um, but Cyberpunk 2077, I've finally been playing it uh, thanks to Best Buy's uh, running a special of 10 days, 10 games for $10. Um, obviously, like, you know, I wasn't going to get Cyberpunk for a long, long time. I kind of pictured me not getting it until, like, maybe next year or even the year after. Mm -hmm. And I was fine with that. But obviously Best Buy ran their special, and I'm like, mm, $10? Mm, I don't know if I can really, you know, pass that up. And I figured, you know, if it's still kind of broken on an Xbox uh, One, then I can just wait for patches because I've only spent $10. I don't feel like I'm, you know, out a bunch of money. And I've actually been having a lot of fun playing it, and I think part of that is because I only, played, only paid $10 for it um, because I can absolutely see, like, you know, I'm still getting like some glitches, some vis weird visual things. I've, you know, it has crashed here and there, um, especially like once I get into Act Two, it especially seems to like to crash a lot more than when I'm just like in the beginning Act One. 
So I, I definitely understand, like, if I had bought this even for just $60 right when it launched, I would probably be really mad. And if I spent, like, $200, $250 on, like, the really special edition with, like, the statuette and, you know, all the little things that came along with it, I would probably hate the game. <laughs> So I totally, I totally understand y'all with, you know, your criticisms out there. It is absolutely still warranted and the game still does have a ways to go. But I will say that, you know, if you happen to find a really good deal like that out there, because I obviously I paid $10 for it. Um, I have seen, I think it was on Best Buy where even after that sale, it was like 15 or $20. I don't know if that's still the case. But what I'm saying is that if y'all see a special out there, go ahead and pick it up. I think paying less for it will kind of uh, takes that pressure off of this has to be a really good, fun experience that I have to get a lot of enjoyment out of, you know. Um, it kind of takes that pressure down and it, it enables you to enjoy it more. Now, obviously, that's still an issue because if they're still selling a game for $60, it does need to be worth that. But again, I think this is where you know, it's really important to kind of fight that FOMO and that fear of missing out because, you know, obviously it's kind of like, oh, like I did want to play it and I did want to like experience it and stuff when it came out. But waiting as long as I did, I feel like I'm enjoying it way more. So just save your money, y'all. Don't pre-order. Just wait. Because especially with games these days when they're releasing patches like same day or like a week after launch, like... It's going to be a very different game months down the line anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> that that's my little piece. I'm really, really enjoying Cyberpunk. But, again, it's at a much lower price point than what it's, you know, typically being sold for. So, you know, it's kind of, it kind of, I think, evolves into more of a uh, development discussion where it's like, well, you know, we really shouldn't be you know, giving into these hype trains or like, you know, <laughs> you know, giving into that whole marketing ploy where, you know, they spend months and months doing podcasts and showings and all this stuff, because, you know, it really builds up this picture in your mind that is probably unattainable, especially on launch day. So uh, it's just really important, especially if it's a game that you've been waiting a long time to play, just take a deep breath. The game will still be there months out, you know, and, you know, I, I get some of it is, oh, well, I want to play and talk about it with my friends. Well, if you and all your friends wait a few months down the line, maybe a year down the line, you can still have that experience. I don't know. That That's just my thinking is please fight the FOMO. It's okay <laughs> to come back after the fact and get involved with it because I promise you my love for this game is a lot stronger than I ever thought it would be I'm having so much fun I'm having so many experiences I'm meeting so many new characters and people and having just such a fun time with this game that if I had played it on launch day I absolutely would not be having this experience so perspective time you need time for that perspective so yeah that's my little gaming corner <laughs> I've definitely always felt like when I had uh, when I had games that I was interested in, um, the the only time I ever tried something that was like really new was like the beta testing of that Star Wars New Republic game, mm -hmm. and it was very like 
glitchy, scary, and I, I definitely chalked all of the issues up to it being a beta test. Mm-hmm. But had it been like that when I had spent 60, 70 bucks on yeah. it, I would have been pretty sad. Yeah. Been pretty yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, it's definitely like, you know, obviously with video games, it's more of like, how much am I going to get out of this? How much enjoyment and entertainment am I getting out of this? And it, compared to how much I'm paying into it. In certain games, I think definitely they're worth $60. And The Outer Worlds, I actually played it, I actually tried it out with the Xbox Game Pass, and then, after the Game Pass trial ended, I went back and bought it for a full price, which I normally, like, never ever do, but I went ahead and bought it for full price because that was how much enjoyment I got got out of it just from one month of playing it to where I was at the point where I was like, yeah, this is worth $60, definitely worth $60. And then even later when the DLC came out, I paid like $25 to have both of them. So essentially I've paid $85 in total for this game. And even a couple of years down the line, I definitely feel that I've gotten my $85 worth out of it. Cyberpunk, I don't know that I've gotten even $60 worth of entertainment out of it yet, but I've definitely surpassed $10 worth of entertainment. So... It's all a little bit relative, but at the same time, again, it's all about managing your expectations and especially with games being released the way that they are with like same day patches and like, you know, patches coming out like a week or two just after it's launched, you know, it it seems like game companies are going more and more towards that kind of uh, development where it's like, oh, we'll just rush and we'll get the game out real quick and people will buy it and pre-order it and everything. And then, oh, we already have their money. So then we can just, you know, do whatever. I mean, obviously they are still like patching it and everything like that. But uh, I feel like there's a lot less motivation after the game's already been launched and after people have already paid in 60 70 80 100 200 dollars for you know their game you know it see it feels a bit disingenuous where whereas i'd really prefer to like just have them you know ha- have like a long nice you know long development time where they can do everything that they need to do and then they can just launch at the time and have everything ready to go and everything's cool and everybody can get that 60 70 dollar experience on launch day this is the goal, guys. Any game devs out there, that is your goal. Make it a 60 to $70 launch day experience and make it worth it. Although that's right, really more so. towards the corporations themselves. But yeah, you yeah, get my yeah. point. <laughs> so let's talk about what if. Yes. I want to mention that I am like... Uh, I, f- I feel very much like I am going against like my own roots and mm-hmm. um, instincts because usually I am uh, like okay with fan fiction and uh, things that aren't quite canon being added on and and Disney plus and um, some of the the media we're consuming really has been playing with my heart lately and mm-hmm. I, I don't like to be someone who like, oh, this is okay, but that's not okay, and fandom gatekeeping yeah. and all that stuff we've always talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like, fan fiction's great. Things that are not not canon, but, you know, head cannons are great. I mean, it's the name of the show. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a really hard time digesting this one. Um, I think it was because of Agent Carter uh, mm-hmm. getting the serum instead of Steve. I think that was, like, where this all, this, like, feeling of, like, impending 
angry fandom gatekeeping came from. Um, but I legit was like so upset and so irritated by Peggy, who like I also had just finished watching um, or was in the middle of watching Agent Carter from uh, the television series. So like I was in the middle of watching that and then watching this like hypothetical of her becoming uh, Captain Carter that I was like totally thrown for a loop and like instantly decided I didn't like the show because of that. <laughs> Um, which is stupid because I'm all about like, you know, uh, body positivity and people who are cosplaying uh, characters that they don't necessarily look very much like uh, taking it on as their own and all of that. So I'm like, I am out of my element. I am like <laughs> losing my mind with this show. Um, uh, so I just want to say that like I any negativity I have is because I have this weird like idea in my head that you can be. Uh, all about it in certain circumstances, but not when it comes to to Cappy. I guess I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm troubled. Well, Cap's Cap's special, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and like part of that, I think, is you know, especially when there's a lot of established lore around a character that you particularly seem to vibe with, and then all of a sudden that's kind of turned on its head. You know, it can be kind of like, oh, like I don't know if I like this. Um, I was honestly kind of the same way. This is a little bit of a tangent. I promise it's not too long. But I was kind okay. of the same way when I first started playing the Batman Telltale games. So slight spoilers if, some, if anybody out there has not played the games yet somehow. If you haven't, go play the games. Go. Do it now. They're fantastic. But in the Batman Telltale games, um, his parents, it's revealed that they were actually... His father, especially, was actually very shady and involved with some gangsters, which, you know, upon, like, the first revelation of that, I was like, that's really wild and, like, so weird. Like, what are they doing and why are they going this direction? Like, I was really honestly conflicted about it. But with the more that the game went on, and especially by the conclusion, and when I got a chance to, like, sit back and think about it, I'm like, you know, it kind of makes a little bit more sense now because... You know, obviously Bruce Wayne's parents were like millionaires or billionaires or somewhere in that area. And it's like, if you look at actual doctor's salaries, they're not usually that much. Like, not not near that level, you know? And so it kind of does make you wonder, well, how did they amass just all this wealth? Like, what happened? Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, I mean, there's probably, there could be, like, several different explanations for it. Maybe it's just, like, family money. Maybe it's mostly, like, Mrs. Uh, Wayne's money, you know, that he almost kind of married into. Obviously, there can be several different explanations for it. But for the context of the Telltale universe, that was a really good take, honestly, I think, on how they did that and how they incorporated it into the story. And the more time I got to kind of reflect on it and think about it and view that idea perpetuated in that media, I was like, you know what? No, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I kind of buy it now. Like, this is kind of my headcanon now for the rest of, you know, other Batman media is, oh, maybe his parents had some shady dealings and that's where their wealth came from. And that kind of even feeds into his own like motivations to be Batman, to be better than his parents and not give in to that kind of, uh, into that kind of work that he potentially could if he wasn't Batman, maybe. I don't know. But I, I totally understand like that knee jerk reaction, like when that a completely new concept kind of comes at you out of the blue and it's like, ooh, like I'm not sure if I like that yet. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of 
you, you kind of need some time, I think, to let that marinate in, in your brain meats <laughs> and kind of like, kind of digested a little bit, I guess, you know, so I, I totally understand, like, you know, kind of that having that reaction, like, hmm, don't know if I like this, kind of like kombucha girl, like, hmm, do I like this? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so what, um, what is your feelings about what if? Because that's, that's like the first question I ask people is, what do you think? What, what did, how do you feel about it? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, my, my thoughts about what if, I mean, it's, Honestly, it's really like a lot of what I do with writing fan fiction is asking these questions of what if this, what if that? Like I I literally have these long running fix that I'm setting up where I have different people in different places where it's, we call it like canon divergent, um, Mm -hmm. where we just kind of like diverge from the canon in certain spaces. And it's really fun to kind of play with those variables of well, what if this happened? What if this went differently? What if this person did this instead? You know, so it's, I honestly really enjoyed it just from the hypothetical standpoint, because that's kind of what I do like all the time right. with my different fandoms. Right. So, you know, it's not something that's like a foreign concept. So I, I kind of like really enjoyed seeing the different takes and the different directions that all the different characters went on. Anything you thought you liked particularly much? I kind of liked... Um, I think one of, a couple of my favorite episodes, obviously, like, my favorite episode, I think, um, and the one that I honestly think should have been the next to last episode, well, maybe the second next to last episode, just considering because of how the Ultron episode leads up into the last episode, but I think the one with um, T'Challa being Star-Lord I think that's possibly one of the better ones. And I think having that being second episode kind of had the rest of the episodes not be a letdown so much, but it's just like so good. It's just like, how do you follow that? You know? So I think they probably should have left that until right before the Ultron episode and then have the Ultron episode and then the last episode. I think that would have kind of given the rest of the episodes a little bit more of a, a, of of something to stand on maybe because then you're not comparing it all to this really great episode that all just makes you feel all kinds of things and makes it kind of bittersweet because you actually have Chadwick Boseman's voice as T'Challa and everything. And so it's like, "Mm," like, I I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like they should have left that until later. But uh, taking that off of that, I also really appreciated uh, Doctor Stranger's episode um, and how it really kind of dealt with grief and loss and very real things that, you know, everybody, you know, kind of deals with in in this life, in this world. And, you know, just to the great lengths that some people can go due to grief. And the, you know, the end conclusion at the end of the day is there's still nothing that you can do. You still have to sit there and process your grief, you know, yeah, and everything episode, that you do to avoid it is it's just going to compound on it and build on it. There was so much like Final Destination vibes mm-hmm. in that episode. Like I yeah. was thinking, oh, no, it's just going to get her no matter what, dude. Yeah, like, it's just not it's just not fair. But uh, and then I kept thinking, you know, it's it, this is getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So when <laughs> we see him in the very last episode. I was like, oh, he looks awful. Oh, I know. Oh, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sad. Um, 
But I also like was kind of disturbed by that episode because in all honesty, I really didn't think that the grief would have hit him as hard as it did in the episode. I don't remember him being uh, so much in love with her that having lost her, he would have been in in stitches the way he was in the episode. Well, and I felt like that was like an embellishment on him a little too much. Well, and I think like. It's been a second since I've seen the Doctor Strange movie, but I don't think she died in that no, movie. No, she didn't. Yeah, so I didn't think so. So I think that the accident plus her dying kind of kickstarted something. And then when he started going back and redoing it, kind of just compounds that more. It, it, it's like you're you're doing something that's no good for yourself. You know, he really he knew that there was nothing that there I think deep down he knew that there was nothing that he was going that he was going to be able to do that would have really changed anything but going back there and reopening that wound was really not what he needed to do <laughs> you know like he did probably the worst thing that you could have done with with grief is going back and just continually reopening that wound without actually trying to deal with it and process it. And that I think makes it a little bit worse when you let it kind of fester and then burst all over the place with its infected emotions. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. I, I really enjoyed the, um, the beta-ness of Steve to, uh, Peggy's alpha. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine, uh, Peggy being much more feminine than she is when she gets the, the, super serum Mm -hmm. um so i i had a little bit of like trouble with that like she was much less Haley atwell much more captain carter and i i just didn't like i had a hard time with it Mm -hmm. um even like in the last couple of episodes when she's very like take charge um talking for the entire group of the guardians of of the multiverses Mm -hmm. i was very like irritated uh i it just felt so like out of character for her Mm -hmm. um that I, I had a really hard time with it. I, I, like I said, I, please don't come for me, guys. But I'm very like troubled by the Captain Carter uh, "What If" episode. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'll get over it. And I, and I get that because because I know that you really really vibe with like Agent Carter and her character as it was developed on, you know, the original like Captain America movies and then right, during the series. Right. So, but when you go into the "What If" and you know and you view her character, Captain Carter, it does feel out of character because uh-huh. her character because is, is different. Character. <laughs> yeah, because it because Captain Carter is very, very different than Agent Carter. And I don't think it's necessarily right. that one is more correct. It's just this character has had these experiences, and so that has shaped her personality and how she's mm-hmm. like in different ways. And so that's the variables that you're seeing and that's the dissonance that you're feeling is that, you right. know, different life experiences lead you into different things. And so if you experience them differently or approach them from a different perspective, you could end up with something totally different or even something that's kind of reminiscent, but different enough where it's like, OK, this is weird, <laughs> you know. And I will say I absolutely love that Steve Rogers never gets that serum and that he doesn't get, you know, he's he stays like short and small because, there are so many guys out there that are short, that are small, and 
they really kind of get, pardon the pun, they get the short end of the stick because, you know, society's like, oh, you got to be tall, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, you know, oh, you got to be tall. You know, so many, you know, people out here saying, oh, my man has got to be at least six feet, no exceptions. And it's like, you know, height is not something that you can help. <laughs> you know, you can go to a gym right, and you can right. diet and exercise. And even then, like sometimes your body doesn't cooperate because bodies are all different. But it, there is literally nothing you can do for height. It's like, I, I right. can't help this. And I know this is something that also a lot of trans men can deal with as well is feeling they're not as manlike because they're not as tall. So, mm -hmm. you know, seeing that representation of, no, this is this is a guy and he's short, but he's there and he's helping and he's cool. And seeing that kind of, you know, different bodily representation is just really important because you can see like... Steve is definitely there and, you know, he's definitely a character, a strong character in his own right, despite not having the serum, just, you know, he's the Steve that we've always known he is, you know, yep, we just get moral to... compass. He, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that about him. Yeah. Yeah. What so about, uh, Killmonger. How did you feel about Killmonger? I thought that Still was being a bad guy. I thought that was a really interesting little twist. And I had a feeling that they were going to go that direction anyway, just because of who he is in the character. Um, sure. so I can't say I wasn't a little disappointed to see that he wasn't given a complete hero's treatment and given the opportunity to actually like be a hero. I felt like they were kind of just rehashing his Black Panther, you know, double, triple cross kind of thing going on. But, you know, I, I thought it was at least interesting at the way that he approaches it and how he is different but and yet he's not very different at all so whereas you know with captain carter we see she's very different than agent carter we don't really see that difference with eric killmonger so i felt like it was kind of it was cool but at the same time it felt a little lacking like they couldn't really picture what else eric killmonger could do you know so it fell a little flat for me but it was still at least interesting so i'll give it that i guess <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was, I don't, even like in the very end, the very last episode where he gets all mm -hmm. of the Infinity Stones, yeah, and he says like this is this is the only way for peace. I was like, oh no, this is not cool. And then uh, uh, when he, mm, I'm, I've just got so many feelings. Okay, favorite moment. Favorite moment. Ooh, probably like all of T'Challa's episode, like. That was just, yeah. I keep going back to that one, but it's honestly probably like the best episode there. And it's not just because we get to hear Chadwick again. It's just how they did his character. It still feels very true to T'Challa. But again, just like if T'Challa was given different circumstances in which to grow up. And it, it feels like a very true to character with still being kind of an alternate universe canon divergence vibe if that makes any sense so i i just i really i really enjoyed it i really and all the little easter eggs that they even like sprinkled in throughout the episode <laughs> with like with uh when you get to see drax and then when you uh, uh when you go into the vault and you get to see all those little things all the weapons all the gear all the uh, all the aliens and the people who's been captured and everything it's it, it's very uh, it, it seems very fan servicey, but not in that overbearing kind of punch you in the face kind of fan servicey. It's fan service just for the sake of we're doing something fun and this is cool, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. What about the zombies? Zombies was fun. Although, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a horror movie kind of person. So, like, <laughs> I, you know, obviously I really enjoyed, like, you know, seeing zombies and, you know, what that kind of thing would look like in the Marvel Universe, which scary AF. Absolutely scary AF, especially oh, yeah. with Wanda becoming a zombie, because it really is like, like, oh, yes. how are we going to contain this? What is going to happen? Right, right, So exactly. I, I totally get it. And especially like that existential dread that comes at the very end of the episode when, you know, they're going to their to their goal and you see that the goal is already contaminated and all like it's already gone. Like that's something that has happened in other horror movies and other zombie movies specifically before. So I totally get that kind of like dread that comes at the end. Like, oh no, they're not going towards what they think they're going towards, you know? So very much a nod towards more traditional horror. And I really appreciated that. And I also really appreciated how they brought them back in the last episode too, where Dr. Strange was like, well, it's not really so much the zombies, it's what the zombies carry with them. And it was, you know, Scarlet Witch, you know, facing off against Ultron. So that was, that was kind of a cool little, um, cool little vibe, cool little Easter egg. I did want to ask if you noticed when Natasha Romanoff potentially changed Peggy Carter's Captain Carter timeline in the last episode. Um, so when she asked about, um, doesn't she deserve a happy ending too? No. It's when they're fighting and after uh, after Ultron gets infected with Armin Zola and after like Zola like resurrects the body and Peggy's like, is that Armin Zola? And Natasha says, Hydra never went away. They just changed. Like, it's such a small, brief moment, but I feel like that's an eye opener for Peggy because keep in mind, like in Peggy's universe, it's more or less still following that captain america arc but just with peggy instead of with steve so at that point uh where was that where was that i think it was at the winter soldier the beginning of that one where they're you know leaping out of the plane going onto the ship and everything like that i believe it's winter soldier so this is right before that so her getting that information that hydra can still be out there hydra's maybe still Mm. doing stuff that could potentially kickstart some things because I know Peggy and I know she wouldn't let that go. She might have a brief thought right. of, well, maybe that's just her universe, but what if? What if it's uh-huh. not? And then she goes back to her universe and potentially starts looking into things sooner and gets things done quicker, if that makes sense. So I saw that and I was like, ooh, I think Natasha just potentially changed Peggy's arc. <laughs> Right, absolutely. Okay, so, but wait, um, that we also saw a bit of a weird change um, at the very end when the Watcher uh, mm-hmm. lets uh, Natasha into a different universe where they had lost mm-hmm. their Black Widow. That scene that she comes into, what scene is that? That I think is an alternate un- is an alternate version of Loki's invasion because Loki's there and the Chitari are there but they're on that, uh, the airship. So I think it's basically, and they said they lost their widow. They didn't say when, so I'm not sure like when it happened and what happened, but I'm thinking that potentially in their universe, losing widow led to a different change, led to like a change in the battlefield for the Jatari and for Loki possibly. Okay. And so I think that's when she came in then because Loki was on the helicarrier 
and then his main thing was escaping. But what if he instead led the Chitari forces there instead, you know, hmm. to help okay. him escape, maybe? I don't know. But that, again, like, we don't really get the buildup to it, so I can't really say exactly. But I think that's that was the point in that timeline, at least that from, like, process of elimination. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Like, I was totally thrown for a loop because I thought she was being shoved into... Um, like Endgame, but then I was like, mm-hmm. no, why is Loki here? Wait a minute, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so like, uh, I, I, I perpetually always know, you know, the MCU doesn't make any mistakes, but man, I feel like there's something happening uh, that's going to absolutely blow my mind uh, coming up here. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home is yes. coming out uh, in December, and then I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is in March. So do we have another show that's coming out in the meantime? Or are we going to have to wait till December and Spider-Man? And uh, then- well, there's also the Eternals. I, I don't recall exactly when that's supposed to come out. And also Shang-Chi right. is also out as well. So yes. have you seen Shang-Chi yet? I have not do yet. Do we want to see Shang-Chi? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Should we? What do y'all think? Like, should, should we watch it and have a review or should we wait or what? What do y'all want? Like, do you, y'all want individual ones or just a whole group group like podcast episode where we talk about two yeah. or three movies we saw and just our feelings and thoughts and everything or even like that? Black Widow, because, you know, yeah. I haven't even met Alexi yet. I just got done um, doing a re- rewatch of Stranger Things mm-hmm. um, just to be like ready for whenever that comes out and to kind of get my... Uh, uh, daughter to be into it as well because she was always like oh everybody's into Stranger Things I'm not into Stranger Things but now she totally is because she watched mm-hmm. we we watched Stranger Things season one two three uh, faster than anything we've ever watched like we flew through it mm-hmm. um, so good for all of us but uh, now I'm like okay do I want to see David Harbour play uh, someone in Russia mm-hmm. um as uh, Alexi, uh, whatever his uh, character's name is as well, I just know that he is Natasha's father, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what? I'm, I'm excited and also uh, troubled because of all of the issues that came out when that movie came out um, mm-hmm. to be streamed on uh, Disney Plus as well and what happened there with the lawsuits and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want any of that to be tarnished in my head. Yeah. Like, I just kind of want it to be all all on its own. I don't want to feel badly about the movie just because of uh, the media coverage it got. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, I don't know how I feel about it yet, but yeah. I'm excited to watch it. I just, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, the excitement isn't at a fever, fever pitch, in other words. <laughs> right, it was super cool to see Natasha with uh, the like Russian shield, though. That was mm-hmm. super awesome. Um, uh, it was it was really fun to see uh, Captain Carter and um, Natasha like going at uh, Ultron with the shields like simultaneously. I was it was it was really fun to see like um, mm-hmm. the animation style uh, going so like anime and uh, yeah like, Dragon Ball Z ish. Um, you know, it was very like um, explosive and dynamic, and it was really fun to to see that. Uh, in the MCU in a different in a different light mm-hmm. so I was I was kind of thrilled to, to see all of that yeah um, I really I don't know how I feel about that last episode but 
Yeah, I, and I really appreciate that they're, you know, putting more attention into animated things because this is something I've been saying for years and that animation still has value, you know, because there's there's this perception that, oh, well, animated cartoon stuff is for kids. But it's not. Like, it doesn't have to be. You can still <laughs> watch and enjoy cartoon things and they can be more adult and they can do they can actually do more things and have more flexibility than you can with live action. So it's, it's a great vehicle, especially for, like, a little spinoff, like – not quite canon series like What If, it's it's perfect mm-hmm. for it. So I, I really enjoy that they've leaned into that, and I hope that, you know, people's opinions about cartoons will kind of turn around a little bit because there's so much potential that we of things that we can do with animation that is just really hard or impossible to do live action, at least not, <laughs> not with the right. same budget, you know? <laughs> so it... Right, like- Hawkeye losing an arm suddenly, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that would have been oh yeah, that harder to to do <laughs> mm-hmm. to shoot and to do makeup for and do CGI for and whereas this oh, oh it's just animation so you know there you go <laughs> yeah. right. Although nothing nothing I I also want to also mention like the mm-hmm. the amazing work that um, special effects and makeup artists do oh yeah for um, those mediums is also amazing and oh yeah. Uh, and very definitely much appreciated. Be, <laughs> right, definitely not to be um, minimized in any way, shape. Or oh way. yeah, because it's a lot of hard work, and I mean that's why it's more expensive to do that because it's a lot more work and t- it takes a lot more knowledge. And obviously, you got to compensate people for that, you know. So it's it's totally fair that it costs more to do things live action than it does animation. Right. But you know, depending on like a story you want to tell or what you want to do, animation can potentially offer you a flexibility that live action couldn't. So. You know, I, I think it's really important and I think it's could really be valuable to look at a story, look at something that you want to tell and be what medium would be best suited for this. And I think that's a totally valid and fair way to approach making art is what would best support the telling of this story? Would it be something live action so that we can see real people, see their micro expressions, feel them? Or would it be something like animation where we can portray something that would be difficult or extensive or otherwise just too expensive to do live action. So it's kind of, you know, obviously there's pros and cons to each of them. And I think it's really more worth looking at the story and what it's trying to tell and see what best suits that. But I mean, that's just my two cents as a person who does this kind of thing, (laughs) thinking about stories like all the time. Right. All right. Any final thoughts on what if? Well, there is supposed to be a season two. Uh, Last I saw, it's supposed to come out sometime in 2022, but I don't see anything regarding a more specific date. But Hmm. I will be interested to see what they'll come up with for season two and if it will be kind of like season one where it's like a string of not really related episodes that then culminates into them all being related at the end of the episode, which I thought was very clever and very well done. Um... So yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to go that route again or if that's just going to be season one. But either way, I'm, I'm probably still going to enjoy it in one capacity or another. And I also wonder if they're going to insert the Gamora episode that they missed during season one because there was supposed yes. to be an episode with Gamora and with Tony Stark. Okay. But there was, I I wondered for a second too, so I had to go back and check. Um, (laughs) But apparently because of like COVID-19 and because of production issues, they cut that episode from the series, 
or from okay. this season. So I'm curious if they'll potentially put that in next season or if they'll put that in as like an extra or something like that. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. That would be cool. That would be cool to see because like the moment that they come in, it's like, okay, what's going on here? This seems really interesting, but we have no context or build up for it. So... Right, exactly. Don't I was know. Like, um, I missed something. Yeah. But I'm glad that everyone else did too because uh, yeah. it could have been either way. Yeah. All right. Um, well, with that, you've heard us uh, talk about What If uh, from the MCU, well, from Disney Plus, and we would love to hear what you guys want to um, tell us about what you thought of the show, um, uh, your predictions for the second season, and what you'd like to have us talk about next. Do you know how to find us? With that, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tegan. And thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons.